So good to be with you this weekend, and we're so glad to have you joining us. Um, if you came as a guest of one of our church family, uh, we're excited to have you here. We welcome you here with us tonight. If you're watching online, some people weren't able to be in town with us this weekend. We want to say Merry Christmas to you. Grateful to be together this Christmas, aren't we? Well, when we think about Christmas, I tend to think about peacefulness. And yet the truth is that I know for a lot of people, that's not how they feel inside. A lot of people are struggling with anxiety, fear, worry. And so I want to preach a message tonight called, It's Christmas, but I'm worried. It's Christmas, but I'm worried. Uh, I went camping with my family several years ago, and we went out to this cabin that my great-grandpa built in New York in the woods. Um, He built this cabin. It was like a log cabin, and he used hand tools back in the day after World War I. So it's on a lake. It's old-fashioned. There is no technology in this place. So at the cabin, um, there was an outhouse. How many of you know what an outhouse is? Okay. Yeah, you had to actually leave the cabin to go and go. Okay. So you'd go out to the outhouse, and I always felt kind of scared of the outhouse. Like, what's out there? Um, Are there creatures out there waiting to destroy me? I don't know. But you just had to do it. You didn't really have a choice. So the thing is, in the woods of New York, there are predators and animals that we don't really deal with here in Arizona. And I was told that summer that there had been bear sightings. So I go out to the outhouse one day, and I'm doing my business, not really thinking much about anything, and all of a sudden I start to hear a sound that I never wanted to hear. And it was just this low, grumble, snorting sound, like, oh, 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 oh. And I'm just there, and I'm like, And I'm thinking, my God, I'm going to die with my pants down. And that just seemed even so much worse than dying in general. Like, I'm thinking, they're going to be making fun of me at my funeral. That guy died with his pants down. What a way to go, you know? So I was scared. I mean, this cold chill washed over my body. I was legitimately afraid, not even going to pretend like I was doing all right. So I did what any self-respecting man would do. I called for my mom. I started yelling out of the outhouse. I'm like, Mom, help! Somebody, help! I mean, my pants are still down, by the way. That's how vulnerable I felt in this moment. I hear, you know, people laughing, my cousins, my brothers, people are kind of laughing. And I'm like, I don't know if they're laughing at me. Are they mocking me? Do they think I'm the boy who cried wolf? That would be a tragic story. And then all of a sudden I hear my mom and she's like, it's okay. And I'm like, no, it's not okay. There's a bear. I'm going to die. Send help. It's okay, baby. It's all right. It's going to be okay. I'm like, what are you talking about? Turns out it was my Uncle John, a notorious prankster imitating a bear very convincingly. Now, he went to pass on and be with the Lord last year, and we miss him. But I believe that when he got to heaven, Jesus thanked him for his years of service to the Lord and then high-fived him for his awesome bear impersonation. That's what I believe. I think Jesus was like, I did the same thing to Peter once. It was awesome. So, you know, my mom was telling me, it's going to be okay, but I did not feel okay. And just because someone tells you it's going to be okay, just because you're a Christian, just because it's Christmas, doesn't mean that you're going to feel okay when you're wrestling with fear and anxiety. 
Everyone who has a pulse has been worried at some point. Maybe you're anxious and worried about something going on in your life right now. So I want to read to you a passage from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, if you download the Kindle version of the Bible um, on your phone, what you'll learn is that this passage is the most highlighted passage in the entire Bible. Did you know that? What does that tell you? It tells you that people are worried, doesn't it? This passage that says, don't be anxious about anything. People are worried, and there are many legitimate reasons to be worried globally. Have you seen the stock market been doing some funny things this year, and people are kind of wondering, are we going to go back into a recession? There's these trade wars with China. There are the Russians just being the Russians. That's <laughs> what they do. They scare us. And personally in our lives, maybe you lost your job. You're worried about paying the bills. Or maybe you're a parent, so you've got lots of reasons to worry. You're worried about your kids, worried about them getting good enough grades in school, worried about bullies, germs, and the internet, and how your kids might interact with that in some way. That's scary. Maybe you're single or newly single, and you're wondering, how is this going to play out? Am I going to be alone for a long time? There's a lot of reasons to be worried. And for anyone who's worried tonight or ever been worried, Christmas is a regularly scheduled reminder that we have peace available to us through Jesus Christ. We can have peace. So let's read Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So these shepherds were out in the fields, um, minding their own business, taking care of sheep. They had their own problems. And we know the Bible says that this angel appears in the middle of the night outside of their campground and terrifies them, terrifies them. Now, these guys had things to be worried about already as it was. They had natural predators to protect their flock against, um, lions and hyenas and real bears, you know, versus the kind that I face. They had a lot to worry about. Then their nation had struggles that the nation was facing. Foreign armies had invaded and were impressing their people. So these guys had a lot of things to be anxious about. I bet they weren't counting on an angel of God appearing with a heavenly choir and singing a praise party in the middle of the night. This angel shows up and it scares them. The Bible tells us they were terrified. They were scared. And what we see is that this Christmas story starts out with some important words in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people, and that includes us. We are the people in this story. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, 
the Lord. So through Jesus, his arrival to the earth brings us a gift that's appropriate for Christmas time. Jesus came with the gift of peace. He has come to give you the gift of peace that calms fears and eases anxieties. And I want to talk about this gift of peace that comes through Jesus. The thing you have to understand is this gift comes in two packages. You know how you give people gifts and sometimes a gift will come in more than one box to open them up in order to understand what the gift is really about? That's how this is, this gift of peace that comes from Jesus. There's two packages. you got to open both of them. Let's talk about the first one. Through Jesus, we receive peace with God. Peace with God. Do you realize that before you placed your faith in Jesus, you did not have peace with God. In fact, the Bible says that you were born an enemy of God. We were sinners born into a sinful world, and we were enemies of God. Either you are an enemy of God, or if you're a Christian, you were an enemy of God. It's true for everyone. People are like, no, not me. Well, let me show you the Bible. It says in Colossians 1.21, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. And so if anyone th- you know, thinks to themselves, like, I'm a pretty good person. You know, I, I know God and me aren't exactly close. I don't really believe in all that. I don't go to church. But, you know, I'm cool with him, and I don't have any beef with him. We're all right. The Bible says if you're not for him, you're against him. And this is what it says in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. That means everyone who's ever lived. And then it says in chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin, in other words, the reward for our sinfulness is death. So maybe you thought that this Christmas message would say, you don't need to be afraid of anything. That's not true. There is something that we should fear being an enemy of God. (laughs) Like we sang in the song, Amazing Grace, grace taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. Understanding that being an enemy of God is not good, that it should bring you fear, it's the first step to experiencing the grace of God that alleviates your fear. You need to understand this. This is very serious, and not being at peace with God is scary. It says in Revelation 20, verse 15, anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Okay, so sin separates us from God, and if we die separated from God in a state of sin, we will be eventually thrown into the lake of fire. Anyone who doesn't accept Jesus will spend eternity separated from God in hell. Merry Christmas. Have a great year. I'll see you all now. I know some people are like, that's harsh. What church did you bring me to? You need to know how serious this situation is or else you won't appreciate how good of a gift giver God is. If you don't realize how much you desperately needed salvation, you won't realize how good what Jesus did for us really is. It's like if you give someone in your family a gym membership, they don't know they need a gym membership. Like, what, what is this supposed to be? You're like, you, you need this, trust me. That's how this is. Like, we were enemies of God. But the good news is that if you've accepted Jesus as Lord, Your name has been written in the book of life. You won't spend eternity separated from God. You'll be forgiven for your sins. You'll be united with God for eternity and favored by God. It says in Romans 5 verse 10, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, 
we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So you understand how great this gift was, right? We were at war with God. But then Luke 2, verse 14, the Christmas story tells us that the angel said, peace to those on whom his favor rests. He's going to favor mankind. Who? Who does he favor? It's very simple. Those who accept Jesus. That's who God favors. He does not favor us based on how many good deeds we do. He doesn't favor us based on how often we go to church, how religious we are, our income level, our education level, our skin color, our ethnicity. He favors those who receive Jesus Christ as Lord. That's who is favored. So if you've accepted Jesus, you can say, God has favored me. In fact, you can even say, I'm his favorite. You can just tell people, like, I'm his favorite. Good news, we can all be his favorite. So we're not celebrating in Christmas time just an opportunity to give gifts, or we're not celebrating just a good year in the books. We're not celebrating just our family, even though we're grateful for all those things. We are celebrating the fact that we were lost, but now we're found. We were desperate sinners in need of a Savior, and that through Jesus, we've been forgiven, we've received eternal life, and we've gone from being enemies of God to family of God through faith in Jesus. Isn't that good? God's a good gift giver, isn't he? He gives us his gift of peace with God, and you didn't even know you needed it. You didn't even want it when he gave it until you tried it on. And then it's like, girl, that peace looks good on you. Like, I like it. I like peace with God. But then there's two parts to this gift. You have to open the other part. You don't want to leave that one present buried underneath wrapping paper, hidden behind the tree. You want both parts of this gift. We don't just receive peace with God. We receive the peace of God. And this is important. You need to understand what the peace of God is. The peace of God is an inner calmness that we receive through Jesus that cannot be explained. Now, people will struggle with this oftentimes for their entire lives. Some people will accept Jesus as Lord and receive peace with God. And that is by far the most important thing, that we accept Jesus. But there are Christians who have never yet fully experienced the peace of God that peace in their soul. And so they're constantly worried. Their heart is in chaos. And so instead of not being anxious about anything, like Philippians 4 said, they're anxious about everything. And we have to learn how to accept the peace that God has given us so that we can experience the joy that comes through that peace. God doesn't want us living our lives worried. Medicine and doctors talk about this. They say, psychology today says this, if you don't make it your business to overcome fear, you better believe it'll try to overcome you. Most people are subservient to this emotion, though they may not know it. And this article I read goes on to say that when you're fearful, your brain releases chemicals that trigger your fight or flight response. And the adrenaline and hormones that are released into your system are such that you can actually become addicted to fear. Your body can actually start to crave that adrenaline rush and those hormones. And so you'll actually start to look for things to be afraid of. I've noticed that that's true. People are actually looking. They'll make up things to fear. If there's nothing to worry about in their lives, they'll find things to worry about. It's so funny when you start looking at what people used to worry about throughout history compared to what they worry about today. It's kind of, 
It's kind of funny. Throughout history, people would worry about famine and not having enough food to eat. I don't know about you, but I'm worried about eating too much food. (laughs) A lot of people today, even the food they do eat, they're afraid of toxins. It's like God gave you a way to deal with toxins. It's called your liver. Drink water. You'll be fine. Throughout history, people were scared of disease and plagues. And now today, people are afraid of vaccines. I think God's in heaven like, make up your mind. Which one do you want? The disease, the vaccines? Like, just figure it out. Throughout history, people were scared of wars and invaders. Well, we live in pretty relative safety in America. So I think we have to make up people to hate. So we're afraid of people with different political views than we have. The people who watch CNN are afraid of the people who watch Fox. (laughs) Vice versa, (laughs) right? People will make up enemies to worry about, like ghosts and aliens. We're just hardwired, if we're not careful, to be afraid. And we've got to catch that so that we can experience the peace of God that he intends for us to have. Now, chapter 4 of Philippians said, don't worry. Let the peace of God protect your heart and your mind. But then verse 8 of that chapter goes on to give us really practical tips on how to receive the peace of God and overcome fear in our lives. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Those are the things that we should think about in order to receive the peace of God that the same chapter describes. So we're getting some practical help. This world is filled with lies and rumors and fake news. And so the Bible tells us we have to think about what we know is true. Well, what's that? I know something that's always true, the Word of God. That means I need to spend less time checking the news app on my phone and more time going through the Bible app on my phone. Some of you need to spend less time reading blogs that will stir up fear in your heart and more time reading what God says, which is, for example, do not be afraid. And then you have to think about who you're spending your time with if you're constantly around people who are fearful, fear-mongering, worried people. That can start to rub off on you, can it? You got that one friend who's a prepper who thinks the apocalypse is going to happen at any given moment. So he's storing up rice and beans, you know. We'll all go to his house if it actually does happen. You got that lady in your mom's group who finds something new to be afraid of for every day of the year, and you're like, my kid's going to die. People can stir these feelings up in you, and you have to learn to redirect your thoughts from anxious things and and nervous things and, and scary things and take it to things that are good and pure and right and noble and admirable. You've got to stop yourself, and you'll have to do this. You'll probably have to stop yourself mid thought. You'll start to worry, you'll start to fear, and you've got to recognize it and say, No, 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 I'm not going to go through with that thought. I'm going to instead think about something that is admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Like, I'll start with this. Jesus died for my sins so I could have eternal life. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to think about that, not what might happen if the insurance company doesn't come through for me. I'm going to think about the fact that Jesus healed the sick. Not what might happen if I catch the flu from that lady at church, right? I'm going to redirect my thoughts because I don't want my brain to constantly go to a place that's fearful. There's been really interesting scientific discoveries this year 
that I think are really cool if you're a Christian and you read the Bible. I'm going to try to explain just a little bit of what I read. Somebody's like, science, I'm glazed out, like I'm, I'm out. But listen, I'm just going to try to explain. Scientists this year, for the first time, were able to map out what are called the synaptic connections in the brains of mice. It's so the first time they've been able to do this. They know that these connections exist. They're formed when we think and when we learn. It's kind of the highway of your brain for how information is processed and transferred. And they say that you have more of these connections in your brain than there are stars in the universe. The size of one grain of sand, that much brain matter, has a billion of these connections in it. And so as you learn and as you think, this scientific article I read says it determines the pattern of how these connections are formed in your brain. And every one of us has a unique pattern, they said, like your fingerprint. It's unique to you. And then what's interesting is that the pattern that is formed then determines the way you respond to different circumstances. So you could actually predict the way a person would respond to a certain set of circumstances based on the pattern of these connections, these synaptic connections in their brains. So this is the interesting question they asked, is who we are determined by the pattern of these connections? In other words, this connection pattern that forms is like an operating system that kind of predicts what we're going to do in different circumstances. And I would say the Bible lends evidence to support that idea. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Okay? As you think, you are determining what kind of connections are going to form in your brain. I'm going to try to say it this way. If you think negative, fearful, worried thoughts, you are going to develop the pattern of the connections in your brain of someone who has negative, worried, fearful thoughts. If you think anxious, worried thoughts on a regular basis, you're actually going to develop the physical brain of a nervous, anxious person. And this is coming from science, just reinforcing what God has said in his word. So if you're thinking, you know, I've been fearful all my life, I've been anxious all my life, I've been worried, man, you need the peace of God. And what's so interesting as I read this article is I started to think about Romans 12, verse 2, which says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Isn't that interesting? It goes just hand in hand with this scientific art article I read. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, the pattern of fearful thinking, of anxious thinking, of worry. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how is our mind renewed? As we set our minds on things above. As we change our pattern of thinking. Instead of worrying about what could go wrong, I start to think with a new pattern about what is good and what is noble and what is pure and what's admirable and what's excellent and what's worthy of praise. And then the Bible says, my brain, my mind starts to be renewed. And that's one of the ways that I experience the peace of God in my life. So this will happen for some people just in an instant, in a moment. God can just supernaturally change and rewire your brain in a moment. I read one story about a guy named Louis Zamperini. He was a soldier during World War II and a famous Olympian, and he went to war, um, and his plane got shot down in the Pacific Ocean where he floated on a life raft for over 40 days, and he was starving. He was dying of thirst, wondering if he would ever be found and saved. He was found, but by the Japanese. 
He was thrown into a prisoner of war camp for over two years where he was beaten mercilessly, starved, and tortured. And he was eventually rescued from this camp, liberated and brought back to America, but he uh, struggled terribly with nightmares. Every night he had nightmares, couldn't sleep, so he became an alcoholic trying to deal with these nightmares. He was an alcoholic, he became angry, and he was on the brink of divorce. Finally, something changed when he went to a Billy Graham crusade, and he remembered when he was out on that life raft, he looked up to the heavens and he told God, if you rescue me, I'll serve you the rest of my life. He fell on his knees, he gave his life to Jesus. And he said that from that night on, he never had another nightmare for the rest of his life. He never touched another drop of alcohol. He forgave the people who imprisoned him and tortured him, and his marriage was restored. This is an example of someone's mind being renewed by Jesus in just a supernatural and rapid way. That's the peace of God that he experienced. But for a lot of people, it will take time. It might not happen in just an instant like that. It might be a process. How many of you know that God tends to work through processes? That's the way he tends to work. You might not like the process, but God's working through a process. you got to learn how to trust his promise and his process. And there's a process to renew your mind that as you change your pattern of thinking, it will start to change the pattern of how these connections in your brain look in your heart. Your heart will start to feel peace as we don't conform to the patterns of this world, but we start to think about things that are different, noble and pure and lovely and admirable God starts to change our heart and bring peace, the peace that we want. If you want the peace of God, you've got to think about the things of God. You've got to put your thoughts to the right things. And so here's what the Mayo Clinic said, the Mayo Clinic where some people go for medical treatment. They said that these things exist when you study people who think positive thoughts. They call them positive thoughts. They said that people who think positive experience lower rates of depression, lower levels of stress, and greater resistance to the common cold. They have better psychological and physical well-being, better cardiovascular health, and reduced risk of death from heart disease, and better coping skills during hardships and time of stress. From thinking positive thoughts, it doesn't make sense, does it? In fact, they say that, the Mayo Clinic staff said, it's unclear why people who engage in positive thinking experience these health benefits. Did you hear that? It's unclear to them. Because I've read Philippians 4, 6 and 7 that says, do not be anxious about anything. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding... In other words, the Mayo Clinic staff can't explain it. It doesn't make sense based on your circumstances. This peace will flood into your heart and guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It will guard your heart and mind. It protects our mind from fearful thoughts and from fearful patterns developing. It protects our heart from emotional stress and and even physical heart disease. When we trust the Lord, we receive the peace of God. And so I know there are people walking around, and maybe there's something going on in your life, and you're saying, well, I know it's Christmas, and you all are celebrating, but I'm worried. I understand. I think, though, as you start to understand the Christmas story, 
you realize you should be flipping that statement and saying, I'm worried, but it's Christmas. I'm worried, but it's Christmas. And Christmas time tells us that peace has come for us, that we can have peace. We can have peace with God, and we can have the peace of God. It's so appropriate that when the angel spoke to Joseph, he said, you'll call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God has come to be with us physically through Jesus Christ. And I think about that as we're talking about worrying because this famous Bible verse telling us not to be anxious is preceded by a sentence. Maybe you haven't read this recently. Or maybe you don't remember this is there. Maybe you've never seen this. But Philippians 4 verse 5 says, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Did you know that was there? Why shouldn't I be anxious? Because the Lord is near. Why should I not worry at Christmas time? Because he is God with us. The Lord is near. He's with us. I don't have to worry. We should trust him and we find that he guards our heart and our mind. Now, I think it's interesting that that passage says he guards our heart and our mind. We believe with our mind. We trust with our heart. I believe in Jesus because I know the facts. He rose again and he was seen by witnesses. I trust Jesus because I know him. He's been good to me. He's been kind to me. He's never left me nor forsaken me. So I can trust him. If you're constantly anxious and worried and afraid, it might be because you don't know the truth or it might be because you don't know him. You need to get to know him. The first time I jumped out of a, an airplane in the army, they gave me a parachute, thank God, and they told me this parachute will keep you alive. Now with my mind, I believed the scientific reasoning for that statement. I believed that scientifically this silk sheet would stop me from plummeting to my death, but I cannot say that I was completely at peace in my heart. <laughs> Because I knew about that parachute, but I didn't know that parachute, right? And then I actually jumped out of the plane. It turned out the parachute came through for me, and it did do its job and relatively gracefully lowered me to the earth, jumped out again, got a little banged up that time, but I made it, jumped out again and again, and after a while, I didn't just know about the parachute, and I didn't just believe it would work based on what someone else would say. I knew it, and I had experienced that it would work. And so it changed the way I felt. There was a little more peace in my heart. Some people, they're, they're Christians. They believe in God. They believe in Jesus. They believe that he's the way to salvation. They've heard other people say, well, you can trust God. He'll come through for you. But maybe they haven't yet experience God's faithfulness on their own. And it's not that you just lack faith, because we don't just get more faith, we get more experienced with a faithful God. A God who always comes through, a God who is near, a God who is with us. It's not that there's nothing you could fear, but that there's nothing you should fear, because God is greater than anything that you could fear, and he is with you. He's near to you. And so all of us, this Christmas time, we need to experience the gift that Jesus brings, peace with God and the peace of God. Peace that makes us part of God's family and peace that gives us calm in, the spite, in spite of the circumstances in our lives. 
And so I hope you've experienced both those gifts. I hope you've received both of them. God has given them to you because he loves you and he wants what's best for you. So I want to pray for all of us. Um, Let's just bow our heads for a moment. And if you're here as a Christian and you'd say, I need more of the peace of God in my life. I've been struggling with worry. I've had fearful thoughts. I've been anxious. Then I want to pray for you to receive the peace of God right now. I just want to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for your people who you love and who you favor. And I pray that you'll give them calm, give them peace in their hearts, despite whatever circumstances might be going on in their lives. And Lord, thank you that no matter what happens around us, we can trust you who is inside of us. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I can trust you no matter what happens in my life because you're God, you're good, and you've been kind to me. Thank you, Lord. And I just want to take a moment to talk to anyone who's here who has never experienced peace with God. Maybe you hear us talking about being a sinner who is separated from God, who needs forgiveness, and you know that that's you. And maybe right now you feel God tugging on your heart. And that is the feeling the Holy Spirit um, leads us to Jesus and draws us to Jesus and is calling us, saying, accept Jesus as your Savior. Um, He wants to forgive you. He wants to adopt you into his family. He wants to favor you and change your life for the better. If you'll accept this gift, then he will change your life. And so maybe you feel that right now. There's this desire to be right with God. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that and accept the gift of eternal life that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. By simply trusting him to save you, you can be saved. You can be right with God. You can be forgiven. So if you're ready to take that step tonight, just pray this prayer with me. I'm just going to lead you in it. Just agree with me. Just say, God, I need you. I know that I've sinned and I need your forgiveness. I believe you sent Jesus into this world so that I could be forgiven of sin. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I believe he rose again so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being by my side. Help me to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.